Hi everyone and welcome back for a new episode of the Early Music Podcast, a series produced by Rema and dedicated to professionals in the early music sector. My name is Esmina Cernčić and in honor of Galway 2020 European Capital of Culture, this episode focuses on early music in Ireland and historically informed harp playing. When we think about Ireland, we immediately think about its culture and its traditional music that fascinate people all around the world. It is also a country that has kept alive a tradition of lively performance. As it happens, our guest today is the harpist Siobhan Armstrong, with whom we will discuss Ireland's lively musical tradition and how traditional music and early music can coexist through the example of the historical harp. She tells us how traditional music and historically informed performance interconnect in Ireland, and especially in her own practice of the Irish harp. So get ready to go back hundreds of years, because unlike other Irish instruments like the fiddle or the Ilian pipes, the Irish harp tradition has disappeared over time, so playing it requires digging into the few written sources that are available and trusting the performance kept alive by traditional performers. Hi, my name is Siobhan Armstrong. Um, I play different kinds of historical harps from the Middle Ages all the way to the end of the 18th century. I wear two hats in, in some ways. I play European music with uh, Les Affluissants and Les Talons Lyriques and all the, the groups in France and in London. But when I'm in Ireland, I'm trying to awaken Irish ears and international ears to the sound of early Ireland. So the harp that I play for that music is really quite special. I call it the early Irish harp and it's an instrument that was played in Ireland from the very early Middle Ages. We don't we don't know um, how old it is but it was played for at least 800 years from the 10 hundreds until it died out in the years around 1800. It's very different to the modern Irish harp, which uh, some people would know as Celtic harp or harp celtique. And the difference is that the modern harp is strung with nylon strings and played with uh, broadly with a pedal harp technique. So it's a, it's a descendant of the European pedal harp. But my harp is strung with brass wire strings and for a lot of its history was played with long nails with medieval playing techniques. So it's a very, very different sound world. So to help promote uh, the, the rediscovery of this harp in Ireland, in uh, 2002, I put on the first summer school of early Irish harp in Ireland. And that turned into the Historical Harp Society of Ireland, which uh, I founded the following year. And so we bring to life this, this lost sound world and we lead a rediscovery of Ireland's illustrious medieval music instrument, which is in fact depicted in our national emblem. It's fun for me when I go through airports with my passport that I actually have a facsimile of the instrument I play on the front of my passport, which always amuses me. So the, uh, the national emblem in Ireland is not just an artistic representation of an Irish harp, um, it's a depiction of a real instrument which still exists in Trinity College in Dublin. So the Historical Harp Society of Ireland has all kinds of different activities. So we have discovery days where we go around Ireland and we give talks and concerts 
and beginners workshops. We have the first collection of rental early Irish harps in the world that we give to our students. We have the first ever library of uh, nearly 600 items relevant to our area of study. And we also have the first ever database on our website now called the Hollybrook Project, where we have a complete resource for harp builders of measurements, templates, thousands of photos, many things to help the building of better instruments, because this is also a part of the rediscovery of any musical instrument, is to rediscover the manuscripts in the music, but also the physicality of the instrument and to recreate both, hoping then to get a little bit closer. We'll, we'll never know how close we get, but to get a little bit closer to what the harpers were doing before the tradition died out at the end of the 18th century. And so one of our times when we all get together every year is at our summer festival, uh, which this year will be from the 25th to the 29th of July. So uh, we will have community and gathering and we will uh, pool our expertise and have um, all of the international and local experts there. We're not just an early music organisation. Of course, this harp is the vernacular harp of Ireland. So we're very interested in how we recreate or how we try to add some style and idiom back into the playing of the music. So we, we look at the music in field transcriptions that were collected at the end of the 18th century. And that's fine. And we have the instruments and we have the music and we try to put it together. But what we're missing is, of course, the style, the, the playing idiom of these harpers, because the tradition died out. So how do we how do we try to recreate that? Well, we invite the best uh, solo master performers in living Irish music to come and play for us and to talk to us in interview sessions where we can ask them what they think is important about playing music. What, what, what should we be thinking about? And then we try to emulate their beautiful style on their violins or their Irish pipes um, or in their singing style. So that's very important to us too. So we have this whole community that gathers each year and we hopefully raise the bar as to what we do year after year. I have many different instruments from different countries and centuries. My Arpe Triple and Arpe de Dos Ordenes, my Spanish and Italian harps, are not particularly copies of any one instrument. They're drawn from um, different instruments. Uh, my Irish harps, however, are based on existing instruments. So I play a copy of the National Emblem harp, the Trinity College harp or Brian Baru harp. So this is a late medieval harp. And the instrument that I'm playing at Galway Early Music Festival in 2021 is my new copy of an early 18th century harp from 1702. And this is a very interesting harp because it was owned by possibly the most interesting harper still alive at the end of the tradition, Dennis O'Hampsey. And it was from him that some of the oldest repertory was transcribed in the late 18th century, just before it died out, by a young teenage organist, Edward Bunting. And O'Hampsey was really interesting because he played medieval tuning preludes, 
He also played 18th century division sets on Irish tunes composed by Irish harpers in a European style. So he played the very old music and the bang up-to-date 18th century music. So we have uh, different kinds of harping in Ireland, and that's because, of course, the early Irish harp tradition died out. So it's a vernacular tradition that did not continue on. The fiddle has been played in Ireland since, I assume, the early 17th century. And the Irish pipes, now known as the Illan pipes, they almost died out in the middle of the 20th century. But some there were only a few pipers left, but that carried on as a living tradition. However, the harp tradition did not carry on. That died out just ironically around the same time that a new Irish harp was invented in Ireland. So just as the last harpers were starting to fade away, a wonderful pedal harp builder in Dublin, European pedal harp builder called John Egan, invented the modern Irish harp. So it's a, a much smaller version of a European pedal harp, but built with the same technology, um, strung in gut strings like a, like a pedal harp, and it was played with that technique. That's the ancestor of the modern Irish harp. And that's the harp that's generally heard nowadays, not only in Ireland and also in Scotland, but, but everywhere around the world in America, as far as Australia, they're even built in Pakistan in, and in Japan. So we have mainly a body of players who play modern harp. Some of them play modern music. Most of them play vernacular Irish dance music. There's an attempt to bring that harp into line with uh, traditional music in Ireland. So many of them are very fluent, quick players of Irish dance music. And then there's another tradition that I'm forging in Ireland of people playing the old repertory on the old harps, hopefully in it's something approaching the old way. There's no point in being arrogant when a tradition has died out. <clears throat> you, you can only hope that you're getting close. Now, the question of how performers of early music in Ireland and performers of vernacular music, how they view each other is quite interesting, given that a lot of our traditional music is influenced, of course, by European Baroque music. I would say it goes back further than that because I see medieval French forms in early Irish harp music. For example, one of the oldest pieces transcribed from uh, Dennis O'Hamsey is a piece called Burns's March and it's clearly in a rondeau form and you think well why would the medieval French rondeau be heard in the performance of an early Irish harbour? Of course it's perfectly obvious if you think about history. The French-speaking invaders who went to England in 1066 then stayed in England for a generation or two but then they came west and invaded Ireland so a hundred years after William the Conqueror left Caen 
his descendants went to Ireland. So of course they're bringing the French language, French music, French forms. They bring French poetry with them, which also influences Irish vernacular love poetry. talk about the performance of early music in Ireland and traditional musicians, they probably have more in common than some of them realise. So traditional fiddle players in Ireland play off the neck, you know, they're, they're playing with the fiddle on their shoulder in a, in a very Baroque way. I don't know if, if they're all really aware that that's an earlier European tradition. In general, early musicians here are very interested, I mean certainly I'm very interested in traditional phrasing and forms and how traditional musicians play their music. I'm not entirely sure there's such an openness going in the other direction, but I know there are exceptions because unfortunately, vernacular musicians all around the world, I would suggest, are used to seeing classical music as a monolithic genre. So if you try to pull apart the idea of romantic music, classical music, and then Baroque and Renaissance music, there, there wouldn't generally be an appreciation of all those different genres. And maybe if there were, if they realised that Renaissance and, and Baroque musicians have much more in common with them than we do with sort of late Romantic orchestras, then we might come a little closer together. Sources for the music that I play are really quite interesting. I'm very lucky that uh, a 19-year-old church organist called Edward Bunting wrote down the remnants of Irish harp music before it died out in 1800. So the young Bunting came along and he published three volumes of the music, but they're for keyboards and they're not interesting at all because he's turned the music into piano music. But his field transcriptions are of enormous interest to me because he has no time to fix or edit or change the music much. So this is my main source for the old harp music I play. But of course, there are other sources. And these include the first collection of Irish music to be published in Ireland. It's in 1724 in Dublin. There's a collection called A Collection of the Most Celebrated Irish Tunes. And this contains harp song airs and harp tunes from Thurla Carolyn, who is the most famous of all Irish harpers, born in the late 17th century. So he's still alive when this collection was published. Apart from that, you have to look outside Ireland. Vernacular Irish music it was, of course, an oral art and it wasn't written down. So if we want to find music from the 17th century, then we have to look at parallel cultures like Scotland. So I also use Scottish lute sources and indeed 
English keyboard and lute sources because Irish music became very fashionable in England. We had a re-invasion in the 16th century when Henry VIII of England decided that he needed to, to bring the Irish back into line. And so you have an increasingly difficult 16th century where more and more colonists arrive. The, the history is devastating. But when these armies go home in the evenings, when the Gaelic chieftains go home and the, the aristocratic Tudors retire back to their houses, what are they all playing and singing in the evening? So, for example, the Tudors fall so madly in love with the early Irish harp, which is completely ironic if you think that they're trying to wipe out Gaelic culture, which they see as a very barbaric thing. So these Renaissance Tudors have no understanding of what a medieval culture looks like. And medieval culture is still alive and well in Ireland. So there's this real disconnect between the two. But at the same moment that they try and wipe out the language and the culture, they fall madly in love with the early Irish harp and bring Irish harpers back to work for them in England at the end of their tours of duty. then have several royal harpers at the English court. The first one, Cormac MacDermott, he's the earliest surviving music by an Irish composer which was composed in a European vein. So he writes courtly music, uh, pavans and almains, he writes court dances. Cormac MacDermott is employed by Queen Elizabeth I at court in the last year of her life and he goes on to work for James I. So you have different Irish harpers being greatly admired at the Royal Court in London. So I'm very interested, again, in this juxtaposition, this unexpected juxtaposition of cultures and uh, who goes where playing what. I find that fascinating. say early Irish music. I could as easily say early Irish harp music and the two are really inseparable because the harp was the um, the apogee of Gaelic aristocratic music culture because that was the aristocratic instrument. So if you want to get a handle on early Irish music then you need to look at the harp repertory 
And I find that uh, very interesting because you have obviously things in common with European music. We're not in a bubble in Ireland. I, I have no time for this idea that Irish music is, uh, is exceptional, that there's something different about it. Obviously, there are regional differences, but we're part of Europe. So there are connections with European music that we see even from earliest times. We have, I suppose, these very evocative airs and harp songs as far as we have harping in Ireland. We have singing, but this is, again is universally true in Indo-European culture generally and over you know, a thousand years or more, people sing songs to musical instruments. So again, that's not exceptional that we have singing with a harp that's also documented in medieval Europe. One interesting person to look at is the 18th century harper Thurlock Carolyn. Some of his music is composed clearly in a vernacular Irish style for his more Gaelic patrons. So he's playing for maybe the indigenous Irish, so he composes more Gaelic tunes. But then for his more Anglo patrons, he composes tunes which are more in a Baroque vein. So his music is interesting because we see contrasting styles. But it's really in one of his contemporaries, Cornelius Lyons, who was the harper to the Earl of Antrim, that we truly see um, somebody who has absorbed 18th century music to a degree that he's writing divisions or variation sets on uh, pre-existing Irish song airs. It's very interesting to me to look at Cornelius Lyons's division sets because they don't seem to use bass lines and functional harmony. The results of my PhD tell me that there's a big difference in Ireland at the lower end of the register. So while we're influenced by European Baroque melodic shapes, we are not influenced by the functional harmony of Europe. We carry on in our older, more medieval ways of echoing the tune at the octave or uh, staggering the tune. So it's a very different approach to European music. day I hope that my approach is one that's guided by research-led practice principles so I'm digging around in old manuscripts and I'm looking for the repertory and I'm having reproductions of old harps built and they of course teach me how they want to be played as an Irish person playing this vernacular Irish music I try to hang around with the best vernacular Irish musicians I can these wonderful traditional players who have incredible style. So if people would like to know more about this extraordinarily beautiful music and the gorgeous early Irish harp, they have a unique opportunity this year because this is the first of our 
historical harp society festivals that is completely online we have 33 live events so if people are instrumentalists and they want to play the music they're very welcome interestingly the players that we have in ireland who come to our festival are reasonably small in number but people in other countries are fascinated by it they're not necessarily all of irish background on the contrary it's not necessarily the irish diaspora who are interested but people who are interested in Irish music and early music from all around the world. Thank you very much, Siobhan, for presenting the specificities of your instrumental practice the techniques it requires, your repertoire, your sources, and your research. In Ireland, early music and traditional music are closely interwined and, as a musician, one makes the link between both. In order to do so, one needs to be versatile and pay attention to what other musicians do and maybe get inspiration from them in turn. Music is meant to be played, it's meant to inspire, and the same applies to traditional music and early music. This is how music is kept alive. I'm very glad that we could dig a little bit deeper into what makes historical harp playing and Irish traditional and early music so distinctly unique. If you're interested in knowing more about it, you can attend the Remen Connected Conference of the Irish Early Music Scene on May 21st. The next episode of the Early Music Podcast will be dedicated to cultural tourism in connection to our second Remen Connected Conference on May 21st. So don't forget to tune in. Mm-hmm.